You can put an end to this. How? Tell me to go. Tell me that's what you want, and I will walk away and you will never see me again. Is that what you want? I want you. Liz. I know. I can't. I know. We'll be okay. Bring it. Bring it, girlfriend. Wife. Sorry, wife. <laughs> um, nice. What? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, what What yourself? What, 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 what? Let's check it out. Who, 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 who is this all about? I don't know. You tell me. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast. Our first guest, Robin Veda. Welcome to the pod. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to like talk and then I would come in later or whether I was supposed to just pretend I was not here. <laughs> Robin, never pretend you're not here. Okay. You're very important. I just lurk like a ghost in the living room. Robin, who are you? Uh, I'm your wife. <laughs> Good I'm job. Not a I'm not a witch, I'm my wife. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Who uh, uh, Who are you outside of being my wife? Because oh. you're, you're so much more. I do things and make things, uh, film stuff. Uh... I'm a filmmaker, director, actor, producer, uh -huh. um, general human being. General practitioner. Yeah. <laughs> general practitioner. Yeah. Robin is my super awesome wife and she has um, come down from her uh, lofty pedestals being like way too cool for doing like amazing things like making music and movies to come be on our podcast, which is super great of her. Oh, I like Woo! you guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... Ryan was in our wedding, so I'm I'm like this is like kind of giving me vibes of being back there. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful I, I'm wedding. Mainly on this call just for the hopes of seeing Ryan's baby. Oh, not happening. He's <laughs> hiding upstairs. We're not getting. Never a mind. I quit. I leave. <laughs> yeah, my cute baby is hiding, so he won't ruin the podcast. So, Robin, this is your first time on our podcast. Our mm -hmm. podcast is about. Um, you know, romance, rom-coms, movies traditionally marketed and made for uh, like a female audience traditionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're the first true voice of, um, of the females of females <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so um, I I'm, am the target market. How does it feel to be the target market sometimes? Uh, well, I for a long time, I was extremely rebellious about uh, romance movies and rom-coms and things, and I purposely didn't watch them when I was, like, a teenager and I was smack dab in the middle of the, the target market because I was like, no, that's just drivel that's being marketed to me because I'm a girl. And uh, so I didn't actually watch, like, the only Brad Pitt movie that I had seen until I was in my 30s, I think was 12 monkeys so tell us why you hate brad pitt so much <laughs> he 
he was such a heartthrob. He was like marketed as this big like, ooh, everybody loves Brad Pitt and everybody has a crush on Brad Pitt and everybody has Brad Pitt posters. And it's and so I decided I was going to do the exact opposite because I was a rebellious teenager. And that was my like, I don't think Brad Pitt is cute. No. Well, I mean, that <laughs> completely goes against the fact that you have a shrine to Brad Pitt in our closet right now. Well, you know, things change. Wait, what? <laughs> what? This is I, some behind the pod right here. No. What shrine? It involves candles and a very reveal, well, almost revealing photo. Ne- never mind. We'll we'll get back to that later. <laughs> He's making crap up. Um, I I do actually. I'm kind of sad that until my 30s, I didn't realize exactly what a brilliant actor he was because the marketing machine had like said you're supposed to like brad pitt because he's sexy and like you're supposed to have a crush on him and so i didn't know that he was actually this really talented actor. <laughs> and that's well, the same conundrum same conundrum with robert pattinson it's the exact same thing with robert pattinson mm, mm-hmm. that's the twilight guy right yes there you he go is, <laughs> but you should get into he's him in other stuff he's actually he's ryan what's your favorite robert pattinson role right now well, it's uh, it's stuck between the lighthouse, great mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. and his like super under the radar role in Lost City of Z. My favorite performance, just because he does more, is probably the lighthouse. But the Lost City of Z role, it's like partway through that movie. It's Robin. It, you you've seen like the riff tracks of Twilight, right? Yes. So you know, like kind of baby face Pattinson. Like shiny, sparkly. Mm-hmm. Imagine he came into a movie looking like a minor 49er with just like 20 inches of beard and hiding behind like spectacles. I didn't know it was him for the first like five minutes he was on screen. It was, yeah, it was, he, he chameleoned into the role. Yeah, it's great. It's basically the most, what's the opposite of vain? Unvain role. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He could take. Basically, it's kind of him saying like, he basically just says screw you to this image that you think i am i am the mm-hmm. opposite of that i'm crusty and god awful looking yeah so that... anyways we're talking about you robin no, yeah, talking no. about <laughs> tell me more about yeah. crusty man no, tell us besides brad pitt what um what else did you not watch um well i didn't watch basically no jane austen at no all jane austen. nothing what? no i didn't read any jane austen didn't watch any and that extended also to any period pieces where like dresses were ankle length i was like no (laughs) i'm not watching any of that because all i knew or all i assumed was that those stories were about women who just wanted to get married and i was like i'm not interested in that which is not completely untrue yeah but but within the context of the story it makes a lot more sense and it's like oh this is actually super feminist for what what era they were in and and we have talked a little bit about you on the podcast up until now so mm-hmm. you've been subject of a kind of a bit of delight for after we watched um sense and sensibility and you <laughs> were like actually this was kind of funny and fun yeah. and like that just made both of our hearts melt a little bit <laughs> i think you had to make sure that you could marry me by seeing if i liked sense and sensibility and pride and prejudice you're Mm -hmm. like if you can Mm -hmm. sit through and watch these things then then it's a go true story (laughs) yeah yeah very necessary yeah Uh, luckily i mean my wife is the opposite of you when it comes to the rom-coms she introduced me to many of them and many of my favorite ones but it also worked the other way I, i showed her a lot of them and i think you guys are a good test case of um 
Well, like tonight, um, with what you, Robin, are showing us, which was brand new to me. Well, I don't know, Kelly, was this brand new to you or had she shown this to you before? She had talked about wanting to show this to me before, but that was when we were already talking about doing this podcast. And so I was like, save it, save it, and we'll do it for the podcast because um, she was she was adamant about And Robin, you love rom-coms. Like, I there do. are rom-coms that you are or fan of mainly the classics i really you know all the nora efron ones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um anything with tom hanks in it anything like, with tom hanks <laughs> hold, on, hold on hold on hold on let's with slow tom this hanks down actually counts for any movie okay. of any genre. okay <laughs> okay okay let's slow it down you will go in for the tom hanks you'll go in for the meg ryan now granted your favorite Tom Hanks Meg Ryan is the least rom commy of yes. Joe versus Volcano. Yeah, that's the most absurd one, which is great. We, I mean, we need to. And I think that's the only one that I actually watched when I was like a, a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I waited but until my twenties or something to watch the others. You still go in for the Sleepless in the Seattle's and the You've Got the Males. Is you, you go in? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, do you do you, do you got any mail I... over there in that movie? <laughs> I have matured in my tastes as I have grown older, and I do love a lot of rom-coms now. I just, mm, gosh, I can't actually say I love a lot of rom-coms. Yeah, I don't, don't lie to us. Um, but we <laughs> did open love, a door for you the, with Sense and Sensibility, classics. right? We opened the door of like, hey, these Jane Austen movies, there's there's more to them. I'm willing to they watch don't period pieces now. <laughs> yeah. I'm... I have friends that have been trying to get me to watch Downton Abbey Down for Abbey, years, and years and years and years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Uh, there's, there's, uh, Downton Abbey is a really well-produced soap opera. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting to me because I like that that time period and um, the mannerisms, but it, it is it's just a really well-produced soap opera. I think the thing is that there has to be substance for me it either maybe it either has to go like completely into the cheesy self-aware fun place or if it has substance and a story to it then Mm. i enjoy it um all the classics obviously have a little bit more substance i feel like to them than just like your i don't know uh i can't i can't name name check something do it (laughs) Call it out. Name a, a rom com right now that you don't like. Um, like, like the, the the how to lose a guy in in how long is it? It's ten days. Ten. <laughs> in an indiscriminate <laughs> amount of time. How to lose yeah. a guy in a week or so? Because all all <laughs> lose a guy in a week or so. It, those kind of rom coms. Maybe I'm also wrong about them, um, but they seem to be these sort of like it's got a gimmick and they're just like giving you some schlock based on a gimmick and it's mm, like here enjoy this yeah um whereas i think some of the tom hanks mcryan movies anything that Nora efron made have a little bit more depth even if it's still a rom-com even if it's still based in like will they won't they get together there's still a little bit more substance there's some there. truth to get to yeah yeah there, there's something to it um okay well, this movie that you brought to us is Imagine Me and You. And Ryan, your question you asked earlier about whether it was my first time seeing it, 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 it is my first time seeing it, except that I kind of obsessed over the poster back in the day because it's... Oh, it's really the ladies. It's, well, <laughs> yeah, because of uh, the poster, if anybody, I mean, just go look it up, but there's um, a... Well, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling it up right now uh, so we can describe yeah. it accurately. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the poster, which is also the DVD cover, um, mm-hmm. is well. It's slightly inaccurate. Well, it is. Yeah, no, it is. 
Okay, so you see the backs, basically, of four people. The two on the left are a bride and a groom, apparently, kissing. And then there's a, another guy and girl on the right. And they have their arms kind of around each other, but the two girls are holding hands behind that guy's back. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, it's After? really clever. Yeah. I think it's, um, except for the fact that Coop, who is the guy uh, in the middle who has nothing to do with this, it in the movie... He, he has his he hand never had a butt. chance. He yeah, never yes. had a chance. He never had a chance. So, um, yeah. so yeah, the movie we watched was Imagine Me and You. And um, Robin, when was your first time watching this? Um, oh man, the late, the latest. Oh, we're gonna have the, to pause. Hold on, remember that question. The pots and pans, ladies, are here. Robin, when was the first time you saw this movie? Uh, I first saw this movie. And give us an experience. Uh, I, I think it was two thousand. Um, I actually discovered the movie because of the DVD cover because that was back when Blockbuster actually existed and I I lived in a little studio apartment at the time and I walked down to my local Blockbuster and I was just looking for a movie to watch and I saw that cover and I was like oh this is intriguing (laughs) so (laughs) I don't know I rented it Um, and I don't know that's the story it did when you when you watch it were you just like this is amazing this blew my socks off and then you watched it three more times um, or the thing is about this movie like I, I wouldn't necessarily say it blew my socks off or it was like the most amazing amazing movie ever i'm i'm not like woo this is the best filmmaking in the world it's just a good well-rounded fun movie and it's it became comfort food for me and i think one of the reasons why i really loved it was like it was the first time that I had seen a lesbian relationship on screen that was not like all about coming out or all about like the struggle. It was just like, oh, it's a rom-com. <laughs> and it happens to have two women getting together at the end. I don't yeah. know. It, and not that some of the plot doesn't also involve like someone discovering herself, but it was just that like... That wasn't oh, like the main focus of the movie. Yeah, it was yeah. very refreshing. Mm. Robin, would you put the movie in a subgenre of like, okay, main genre is rom-com. It's also part of the subgenre of the um, what's often labeled as the LGBTQ film label. That it's a genre too. I mean, yeah, just because you'd have to because it involves a gay love story. But um, I think, especially at the time when it came out the lgbtq plus genre was a lot of very like sad stories it was like a lot of dramas and a lot of things that were about the struggle and i think that's a totally valid and important thing um and this was just it felt so light and mainstream and fun that -hmm. it's like it almost didn't fit in that genre at the time because it was just like it wasn't depressing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I no, um, I get that. Like, I remember um, checking out the, um, like, uh, my my city's equivalent of movie madness back in probably two thousand six, two thousand seven ish, and um, the uh, it was labeled the gay and lesbian section back in the day in Spokane, and it was just like everything looked so heavy. Yeah, like everything looked so heavy in there. Yeah, 
And I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure there were some people making things, but this movie was certainly much more mainstream. Well, I think a lot of independent films in general are a little bit more heavy and they're, you know, something that somebody is making um, because they care very much about it. And so therefore it kind of has to be something that is extremely deep and meaningful. And you don't get to do just the kind of like lighthearted fun comedy that you can when there's big money behind something. Mm. And so I think when you start to have... um, big investors and studios and things funding rom-coms that happen to be stories about gay people it's like oh hey now we can tell light fun stories Mm -hmm. yeah ryan would you say that this is also a little maybe coming of age tale yeah um and it's hard for me as a straight white male to be like it's actually a coming out tale don't you know because (laughs) and that's Kind of what I'm curious about is for Piper Paraboo's character. Um, am I saying that right? Piper Paraboo? Per- per- or is it Parabo? Para- I think it's Caribou. Paraboo, <laughs> like Caribou? <laughs> we can just say Piper. We know that part, yeah, right? I'm going to call her Pipes. Yeah. <laughs> With Pipes, is, um, is it her... Like, are we to infer, like, this is her first experience with a woman, or is it something that she's always, like, tamped down and she's finally letting loose? Is she bisexual? Is she is she attracted to her husband? Is that Was it just a convenience? What was it? Uh, gosh, that's a, that's a lot of questions. Um, I would say we're definitely to infer that this is her first time even considering being with a woman, because it feels like she had kind of lived this life where she hadn't questioned much up to that point, including she hadn't ever questioned not only her orientation, but whether she was going to be with this one guy her whole life because they had grown up together. And she just kind of went, okay, yeah, this is how it goes. Mm -hmm. You marry your sweetheart from middle school. And And, and best friend. Your best friend and everything. And she was like, okay, that, that seems like that feels just like enough. Yeah. And then the whole premise is what happens when you kind of like run into something that's like, oh, I didn't know there was okay. this. On on, the, on that note, I think we should get into the plot because uh, this is the sin of our podcast where we start talking about the movie before we talk about the movie. Sure. Let's, um, uh, oh, hey, Ryan, what was the plot? Okay, so the plot is Pipes Paraboo is P-Parabs. getting married. She's getting married to Matthew Good, who isn't he in Downton Abbey? Probably. <laughs> it would make know. sense um, to me. Um, he looks like a Downton Abbey kind of. He's got the guy. Downton Abbey chin. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe he's not. Um, but they're getting married, and who should come and be the wedding florist? But Cersei Lannister, and let's <laughs> let's pause the plot recap for a second and talk about this because Lena Headey is a great actress, but Lena Headey is a very memorable actress, and it is so hard to forget that she was Cersei Lannister. Look at my face. It's the last thing you'll see before you die. It happened to me the opposite way, though, because I saw this movie first in, like, 2006, and I didn't see any Game of Thrones until the final you, season. You when have Kelly only seen the last yeah. episode 
Oh, of but Game of Thrones. The last few episodes. Last we did, few we did episodes? watch parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah. To me, uh, Lena Headey was this, like, free, like, fun-loving, adorable woman that I had a crush on. And then, <laughs> like, then I see her as Cersei, and I'm like, oh. Oh, geez, you have yeah, something. No, it, which just says she has a lot of range. Wait, but... if you're also saying that you had a crush on Cersei Lannister, we need to talk. No. Uh, okay, Kelly, Cersei... In uh, Feast for Crows, doesn't she have, like, a little something on the side with, like, one of her friends? No. Oh, Remember? yeah, she does. Um, but they she... don't do that in the show. No, they don't do it in the show, but in the books, um, she... I don't know if she's bisexual, but she's very... She'll sleep with anybody for their allegiance, for sure. Yeah, so that knowing that about Cersei Lannister kind of got me over the hump of buying that Cersei Lannister is in this rom com. No, <laughs> so man. It's like, I, okay. It's so funny. I, I didn't actually I got lost in the so I kept thinking it was Lena Headey, but Lena Hetty. Hedy Hetty, Hetty Pipes, Piper, Paraboo, Lena. So so Lena, um she I kinda got lost in the fact that she felt like Kira Knightley's older sister a little bit in this. Mm. Um because this is coming out like just after um, or a couple years after uh, Love Actually. And so I kind of had Love Actually, Kira Knightley vibes and Lena Headey, like her her hair was very similar and her like the way she holds her jaw is kind of similar as well. And so I right. was I, I got kind of lost in that character. I didn't after I got over the initial Cersei sca- like, ah, oh, it's oh, you're not. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> we're, we're good. She's so florist. So here's the rest of the plot. Basically, um, they their eyes meet, pipes and lean leans, and um, there's a there's a spark, there's an attraction between them. And basically, we see in the movie that a friendship forms, and then a friendship develops into something more, and um, a romance is kindled, and a marriage must face a um, true test and then a shift and then things happen. I guess, spoiler alert, they, <laughs> let's talk about what things happens. Pipes happen. and, so what happens is uh, Pipes, a, at the end, Pipes and um, Cersei, get, Cersei together. get together and the marriage that we see at the beginning um, ends and it's um, it's their story from, from here on out. In the credits. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Rob, Robin, when you watched this, were you who was there a character you, you were seeing more of that you would want? Like, if you were one of the characters. Wait, wait, wait. That you saw herself as because we're getting into yeah. a segment that okay because we're getting into a segment well, too early if if it's the well, other way around. But 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 this is part of I think all rom coms. I think we have our avatar and then our object of the avatar's object of desire and i think that's part of the the catharsis is like uh, a really seminal film for me is 500 days of summer like i really attached myself to tom because i really identified his attraction to summer and like what what was so cathartic for me was going through that relationship with them um and experiencing that with tom as my avatar and so, um, so here's here's a question t- for you, Ryan. Is um, if you if you're watching a movie that is from a um, a woman's point of view and she's the main character, like let's say let's take one of the movies we've watched, like while you were sleeping, um, yeah. can you not put yourself in in her shoes? 
Not as much, but a little. But okay. again, it's not. I'm not throwing myself into their experience. It's still more a more of an empathetic experience of like, huh, that's. I I'm nothing like you, so I want to know more about you. Whereas other movies, I think, are designed for. Um, and this is especially like why Hollywood makes films like they make is Hollywood films make films that are uber relatable and independent films are usually the opposite of characters that are usually on the fringe, um, usually are not uber relatable on the four quadrant scale. Um, and so that's why indie films are more interesting is because they're more uniquely crafted characters. Whereas your Hollywood films, your, uh, oh, I don't know, your Transformers with your Shia LaBeoufs. <laughs> I'm definitely Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> you make you make the Shia LaBeouf the average teenager. There's not a lot to them. And so the target audience is teenage boys. They can easily see themselves like, wow, it would be great if I was with Megan Fox. And unfortunately, it's a very pandering movie. Um, but these... But these especially these indie rom-coms like imagine me and you which is a very i would call it an indie rom-com would you call it indie no you'd still call it studio film i don't know who funded it but it's a pretty mainstream film. it feels mainstream to me as well like indie like would you call 500 days of summer indie ish it's still made by fox so yeah you're 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 using indie to mean it doesn't have like the biggest stars of the day in it Right. Uh, yeah, and whoever released this film, actually, I think Fox Searchlight released this and um, Five and Days of Summer. Um, but I don't think they're going to throw all of their marketing behind this film. I don't think they're going to think it's going to be a huge hit. I think it's going to have its audience and it's going to do well. But it, I don't think they're going to market it like a You've Got Mail. Hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. Anything we can talk about in that regard is really speculation because all I know is we've all seen the poster and I happened upon it in a store and and this is in the American market. It wasn't even made for us. And like, it's one of those rom-coms that I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to have seen. So I would say it did have some pretty good marketing behind it, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, so what was my point? What point was I trying to make? Well, you were trying to figure out who we related to because you weren't sure you related to any, could relate to anybody in this movie because it was um, a couple of lesbians. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's good because that's that means I get to learn about someone else's experience and I'm not bringing in my own garbage. I'm just learning and I'm going, oh, that's interesting. What's What's your, what's that like? What did you go through? It's funny because I, I cathartically feel much more like I relate to Lena Headey in, in that I want to, I, I want to fall in love with somebody who is like, oh, I can't help but want you even though I'm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that is a very vicious thing to think, but like for somebody to love you that much and to own a bookshop is or not a bookshop but flower a, shop. a flower shop which mm-hmm. this had a lot of parallels to notting hill which we'll get into that's why i said bookshop but i was like mm, i like your style i like what you're about mm-hmm. yeah um i would say that i don't usually necessarily pick one character in a movie that i identify with i think there's usually aspects of several of them that i identify with and it, and it really doesn't follow gender or anything else it's mm-hmm. just um but it, in this it is movie, more based on experience that they're having. When you watched this movie, you had a crush on Cersei Lannister. <laughs> on Lena Headey, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? She's got a flower shop. She's got a really cool style. Um, she's got the kind of like bedhead hair that just like naturally looks kind of cool. I don't know. And she's she's both super chill and she's charming, confident. Yeah, she is charming because like she deals with Coop, who's like a big butthead the whole time, and she like deals with him and then befriends him. Yeah, yeah, she's she's got a lot of charm to her. She's one of those people that can just kind of walk into a room and exist, and you're like, ooh, okay, like you are interesting, you are charming. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, do you think uh, it, it gets into this like these ideas that aren't gotten into in mainstream movies of you know, with uh, Rachel's character having to, like, uh, come to terms with how she feels about um, about Luce. And we don't see that in a lot of other rom-coms. It's, like, more complicated. Do you think the genre of it being a light rom-com, do you think it doesn't get deep enough because the genre itself is kind of uh, a lighter genre in general? Or do you think it got the meat and potatoes of these ideas well? I think it gets about as far as it can in a rom-com and that's completely fine with me because any rom-com is going to be, like you said, a little bit light. Um, yeah. But I think it hits some good beats um, where you have um, not only the sort of like little moments where she kind of starts to realize that she's having feelings for this person and can't really identify them yet. Everything from the very, very beginning um after they've met obviously and then it's right after the marriage and uh it's her and her husband uh pipes and her husband at the (laughs) (laughs) at the auction and Mm -hmm. they're kind of having this like conversation that's not really a conversation because they're both talking in parallel about two different things and she's just sort of like offhandedly remarking about how you know, have you ever met someone and like the moment you see him, you're like, oh, I know I'm going to be friends with that person. And she's talking about Luce. And that's her first moment of having this inkling that she really has had this kind of soul level connection with somebody. And she doesn't even yet question like whether that means anything about her sexuality. She's just like, oh, I really had this connection with somebody. Okay. It's funny. Anymore? I went around to say thank you for what she did at our wedding. Not yet. You know when you've just met someone, but straight away you feel as if they're going to be your friend? 180? Nearly there. Who knows why? Past life, physiognomy. But for some reason you just kind of click. Here we go. 210. 210. Two bollocks. 10. I don't know what I'm saying, but do you know what I mean? Baby, we lost it. It's over. And then they kind of pepper those moments in for a while until she as a character starts to have this realization that oh this is more than that and then you know we get into the whole thing about her going and renting the the um lesbian porn just to watch it and see if she likes it (laughs) come on let's get pissed and watch porn (laughs) Um. which is honestly it's a light way to deal with it but it's 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 real it's not untrue that's not untrue that is something that happens to a lot of people where they're like i don't know am i aha you start to question yourself and then you're like well i don't know let me let me go rent this rom-com and see if i (laughs) (laughs) see if i do like rom-coms i don't know (laughs) no i'm saying i'm saying when you are having an experience of i think for 
there's just a hugely wide array of um, coming out experiences and experiences of realizing yourself that you may be gay or bi or pansexual or whatever it is. And one of those valid experiences is going like, oh, I had never even thought I might be. Thought to ask the question. I I never thought to ask the question. And so, um, so I love that that's kind of how this tackles it. I love the fact that this movie tackles it with such a cheek. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a rom com. Yeah, it it's a rom com, and it it allows us to to see somebody's struggle, but in a way that we talk about a lot of a lot of these movies do, where they can handle a deep subject but allow you to have a spoonful of sugar at the same time mm-hmm. so that you can understand it and it goes down easy mm-hmm. um because really if if this genre is anything it's a conduit to deep feelings um and it allows you to access deep feelings without having to suffer sometimes and and that can be good or bad but um yeah what, what were you gonna say right well does it mean that um given that it's tackling this story um, that it de facto has more substance to it than a movie like While You Were Sleeping, which is another rom-com. But the romance in that is just kind of more um, comedy of errors kind of plotting of just kind of like people not speaking the truth to each other and I'm attracted to this person. No, I'm attracted to this person. But I feel like this rom-com gets at more important aspects and more real life aspects but still gets at at a from a rom-com angle can we say that um maybe that there's a universal truth to be gotten at in a lot of movies and some of them like because this movie could have even been lighter um Mm -hmm. and uh something like while you were sleeping um she has lost her father and she's looking for a family and they don't really get as deep into that as they could have been but i think that's just as valid of an experience feeling alone and not having a family as your coming out story and they can both have a lot of substance it's just that some movies dip their toes into the substance pool more or less than others mm-hmm. yeah and robin you you i think you hate this about me but i like to put things in boxes um <laughs> do you hate that about me i love and hate it ryan yeah um <laughs> And, you know, as we're going along, Kelly and I have been taking a very eclectic approach to the movies that we're picking. And we've kind of we kind of have a loose scale of where everything stands of like you're while you were sleeping in Princess Diaries. There's not a lot of substance to it, but they're fun movies. And so they're kind of middle of the road stuff, whereas your sense and sensibility is OK. There's way more substance to it and there's more art to it and there's more. Uh, cultural value in some sense but that doesn't make it more enjoyable quote unquote and so Mm -hmm. i would put i would put this film as far more valuable than a princess diaries or sense and sensibility i'm not saying i like one more than the other and i'm not saying one's more entertaining over the other one but i feel like this one is more recommendable to people if they want to have an experience i would say it definitely offers a different perspective than a lot of those other movies um i would say it's you called it comfort food it is comfort food Uh for me for me it's very much a comfort food movie it's one i can watch over and over again and um I, i think one of the reasons why this movie is my comfort food that i can watch over and over again is because it does have depth to it but it's not too deep it's still a light rom com and i 
I, I don't know. So I don't know on your scale of importance what it is. For me personally, I think it's an important movie because I found something to identify with in it as, as a bisexual woman myself and being like, oh, hey, there's me on screen. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, just having a light, fun rom-com that could be um, something I, I could identify with was great. Um and it just kind of, I think it went on my shelf along with like Sleepless in Seattle and the kind of classics. Yeah. Well, we also talk about, Kelly, we've talked about this a little bit of like when we talked about this with um, while you're sleeping, it's the kind of perfect movie to throw on and not mm-hmm. really pay mm-hmm. attention to. Um, you can pay attention to and have fun, but it's also just a good movie to have on in the background. I don't think I could do that with this movie personally. No, because... Uh, uh, Anthony head mumbles way too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) You gotta listen to his mumbling. Okay. So our tiered system then is we have, we have basically movies that are like low tier. It's just to, it's just to watch when you like want to put something on in the background that you don't need to pay attention to. These are like your low tier is how to lose a guy in about a week. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then mid tier movies are like the movies that we like, like while you were sleeping is one that we could put on while wrapping Christmas presents, but like is still comfort foodie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our high tier movies are the movies that are both important and like, but also we love. Um, Roman Holiday, Sense and Sensibility. Yeah, and Notting Hill we put up there as well. I, for me, I would say it's right yeah. in between there because mm-hmm. maybe it's, I've seen it a lot of times and therefore I definitely could put it on while I was wrapping Christmas presents sure. and really not watch it as much. But like it draws you in so it's one of those things that you kind of can't not watch for too long because you're going to end up just like turning towards it and watching right I, I for me i think it's in my top tier because even though it's comforty and it hits a bunch of tropes as well like i, I have a whole list of things that it like resonates on in the rom-com genre um like there's there's something about it that like that middle tier is always like movies that i would put on when it's raining or when i'm sick or when i'm and i would do that with this as well but for me it was it, it felt like such a cultural touchstone that i like never saw back in the day mm-hmm. and um it, or it felt like something that should have been something that i saw back in the day and i was just like oh man i missed this when i would have loved it and so to me it's 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 writing that line as well between comfort rom-com an important one mm-hmm. but like yeah it's right up in there i agree yeah I, I think that's the other thing um a big idea of this whole podcast is the fact that this genre marketing wise has been marketed to not me and kelly that mm-hmm. we are young men and you know the princess diaries is pointed towards the young girls and boys not allowed um and same thing with um well, the Audrey Hepburn movies are usually more of in the girly section of things, and boys are usually never invited to those parties. Um, and when this, I love these parties. <laughs> um, I want to see actually when uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer was uh, released in two thousand nine, and um, imagine me and you was two thousand five. So two thousand five is when I'm in high school, and I'm waiting in line to go see star Wars revenge of the Sith. Um, I, I was also going to movies like, um, what was that Reese Witherspoon, Mark Ruffalo movie where she's a ghost or he's a ghost. 
Um, that that's Ghost, d- and that was Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. No. <laughs> okay, here's a great example. Just like Heaven, um, was a rom com. Reese Witherspoon, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, so one of them's a ghost, but it's a rom com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my point is, if I'm at if I'm at Blockbuster, I'm perusing through these titles. Um, I'm going to look at the cover of Imagine Me and You, and high school me is going to say, oh, that's not for me. Skip. And then I'm going to go and see the Just Like Heaven. I'm like, I guess it's for me. And pop pop quiz for you. I actually went to Just Like Heaven on a first date. So I did go out, actively go out and see that movie. First but and I saw only Imagine, date. Huh? I said first and only date. No. There were more dates. <laughs> Um, but that's part of like my, I'm glad that I'm now at this point where I am more open-minded and I did see this movie because when this movie first came out, the version of Ryan would ignore it and not want to look at it. And why is that? Um, probably cause I thought I saw the cover. I'm like, Oh, it's some kind of like gay lesbian thing kind of movie. I'm not one of those, so I don't know if I should watch it. <laughs> and it's the same kind of like thing when we were wanting to go see Princess Diaries. The same kind of fear I had of like the the extended families all packing in the car to go to the movies. We're gonna go see Princess Diaries, and I felt insecure for wanting to watch that movie. And like, oh, boys shouldn't want to watch that movie, but I secretly do. Um, so on the one hand, I was like, I was getting there. But on the other hand, I had a huge cultural blind spot where I was like, I don't, I don't think I sh- even should want to watch it, should I? And n- there was no force in my life is like, check it out. Go, f- go watch it. So you and Robin were in the same place then, except <laughs> with this movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robin was like, I shouldn't want to watch any of those things marketed towards me either. <laughs> <laughs> me for different reasons. Yeah, for completely different reasons. Um, but I don't know if that was an age thing or if it was a cultural thing of the day because another thing that struck me is like, oh yeah, gay marriage was still not legal then. Like this is uh, this is Bush era of yeah. films, yeah, and this is a very different cultural time. And it, yeah, it totally still plays. It doesn't it doesn't act as if they're operating within a taboo necessarily. They're just operating within a harder relationship problem yeah and i think that's one of the great things about this movie was because it it happened it was filmed in a time when they probably what am i trying to say like a lot of other movies of that time period were making it a big ass deal if like somebody was coming out Mm -hmm. and it was like they had to deal with the oh but you shouldn't or oh but people won't accept you or whatever and this movie i think ages extremely well because it just doesn't even it just blows right past that it's like these are just two people who are in love and that's it i i think that besides the conversation that she has with her parents and she's like yeah, I'm actually in love with a woman. Right. Um, besides that, there's it's almost treated as if she's just fallen in love with another guy. Yeah. Yeah, and and I love that so much about it because yeah. there's no squeaky hammers is what I like to call them, mm-hmm. calling attention to be like, you should feel a very particular way about this. Right. It's much more like, this is a love story. Get on board. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't call any more attention to it than that. Which I think for me at the time that I was watching it and, and being, you know, me watching it, I, I'm glad that you were you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is I'm watching it from the, from the perspective of a bisexual woman who like can identify with these women and being able to see just that on screen that was like, oh, this is just another love story. And it's it's me there on screen. Mm-hmm. It was the amount of relief that you feel this kind of like heaviness that lifts from you in that moment when you get at least one like Sleepless in Seattle style movie that's made for you, it's pretty dang amazing. Yeah. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to take a look at some smaller moments. And Me too, actually. There's a lot of good ones. <laughs> There's oh. so many moments. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to work backwards, actually. Yeah. And um, what what got to me... Like I talk about like, okay, who am I relating to in this movie? And like, what, what lens am I bringing to this? Mm-hmm. Please say um, Anthony Stewart head. Um, <laughs> no, but I do like him. <laughs> the moment he came on screen, Kelly's like Giles. Yeah. Robin yeah. and I just finished Buffy. And so uh, he's been big on my mind. <laughs> it's, he's sad yeah, and Giles I was like, in here. I was like, I know that guy. I'm like, that's the dude from Buffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I didn't relate to him. I certainly didn't relate to Cooper. You know what's interesting is, um, in the same way that How I Met Your Mother has Barney, um, Barney, like this is the movie's Barney, mm-hmm. um, which Cooper becomes much more relatable as the movie goes on, right? Yeah, it, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't get more character development and relationship development because they. They kind of have this friendship subplot between Cooper and Luce, mm-hmm. and it's enough, but I feel like it could have been more. The movie could have been, in my mind, 10 minutes longer and developed all the relationships just a degree more. It's been a while since I watched deleted scenes, but I think they do have at least one more scene with her and sense. Cooper in there. Director's and, cut. Well, yeah. and, and as long as we're talking about the extras, too, because I own the DVD. I've owned the DVD for years. Um, I remember watching... Uh, featurette or director's commentary or something like that in which they talked about the impetus for the film and the title originally was going to be Le Click or Le Flash one of those um which is um what they say the French word is for when you have love at first sight oh yeah I'm glad Um, it's not that well (laughs) it was actually they something else was named that so they couldn't and so they came up with the title Imagine Me and You but um the whole thing was based on this premise of what if you did have this moment of love at first sight? And what if that happened to be on your wedding day when you saw someone else? And so the impetus wasn't even, hey, let's make a lesbian love story. It was, this is an interesting idea. And then everything else kind of came in after that. Did did either of you two find, like, I thought it was going to be a travel and, okay, stay with me here, both of you. I thought it was going to be kind of a time travel film. <laughs> The time continuum has been disrupted, creating this new temporal event sequence resulting in this alternate reality. English, Doc. I didn't bring you the lake house. (laughs) Hear me out. Imagine me and you. The movie that I was writing in my head was that she was going to look back and see Lena. Pipes was going to see Lena. And the whole movie was going to be her imagining what life could be like and what she would have to go through if she went through with this marriage. Mm. And then she was going to like call like, off the marriage. Like it was going to v- come back to the marriage and we were going to see her either 
go through with it or not go through with it. And it was all going to be in her head. Mm. Um, I'm glad it wasn't. But like for some reason, the title Imagine Me and You made. Oh, I see your logic. You that see? Makes sense. That makes okay. Sense. Okay. Yeah. okay. Thank you. <laughs> I, I was worried I was being a crazy person. It's not so much which time travel. It's imagination untoward, but travel, but yes. Imagination travel. Thank you. Um, yeah. But isn't time all in the mind? My grasp of the universal constance of physical reality has been changed forever. It's still a good title because so much of it is the speculation. Of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and it's that um, kind of maybe maybe it's a classic rom-com, rom-com trope of... Um, the taking a leap of faith mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily know if it's going to work out with this person, but you know, you're like, well, I think it might. So yeah. yeah. But uh, back to Cooper. I want to talk about Cooper. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Cooper. Uh, it's another I think, rom-com. Uh, he's kind of a trope of like the belligerent heterosexual. Yeah. Um, and most of the men in this movie, except for maybe the husband and maybe the dad were pretty pretty bad well C- cooper and the um the boss well the cab both. driver the yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah most of the dudes in this movie sucked yeah but um, cooper's kind of a cliche trope tropey character but i feel like he's a good inverse of like another bad rom-coms you have the gay best friend trope mm-hmm. and i feel like we have the, the inverse now of like we have the belligerent heterosexual well i, I I agree with you, but I've also, um, I watched Notting Hill recently so that I could listen to you guys' podcast about it. Yeah, um, one more yeah. person. <laughs> and I had not seen it until then. Um, and like, the, there's the best friend character. So it seems to be especially a British rom-com sort of thing where it's like, I have this weirdo best friend yeah, who's like a bit offensive. Is he Welsh? And no, he wasn't uh, Welsh. No. Okay. Yeah. But it's so, also screenwriting cheating. When you have the best friend character, because then you have the character that your main character gets to dump all of the info on. I mean, is that cheating well, or is it just a thing? The thing with this one, though, is the main character, Matthew Good's character, he doesn't ever get to dump all of his stuff onto Cooper. He's like, more a reflection for Cooper, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, he always almost yeah. does. And then Cooper, like, turns it towards his own life. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, so, like, he has a best friend that never listens to him. Yeah, yeah so I like Cooper. I like what they did with it could as have been a character, better, but yeah, yeah, but well, but I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to go real bad. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it, it could have gone either way, but I think like Cooper and the boss both exist to kind of draw a contrast between them and Matthew Good's character, who is Peck. A, is a Matthew Good guy. You're gorgeous. Yeah, want to fool uh, around? So by the bell. But you're in a lot of trouble later. He's a, he's a Matthew Good guy who is kind of trying to extricate himself from this toxic masculinity that he grew up with, like that he's yeah. always been around. And so, it it's those characters are kind of giving him the mirror through which to see, like, oh, I could not be like this actually. Yeah. That was quite insightful, Robin. <laughs> the plot itself is kind of a common plot of it's a um, a love triangle slash infidelity plot. Yeah. And um, what I like about this movie is I haven't seen any rom-com, at least, handle it with such maturity and delicacy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even with Sleepless in Seattle, we have Meg Ryan, who's falling in love with Tom Hanks, right? But she's with Bill... Pullman. Bill Pullman. Pullman. Not not Paxton. Paxton, Pullman. Pullman. Um, And in that one, they make Bill Pullman such a, like... 
annoying character that you're like, no, don't be with that guy. Oh my God, no. Because um, yeah. he's, he's yeah. like just I mean, a it's dorkus. the same thing in You've Got Mail. It's kind exact of the same thing with You've Got Mail, right? And they always make the character that they're with currently uh, so annoying that you're like, oh, there's no way they could possibly stay with them. And in this Or one, worse, they're, they're assholes. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. But in this one, I was like, you know what? If it ends up that these two, you know, Matthew Good and Pipes stay together, then that I'm okay with, I'm okay that with well. it. It wouldn't yeah. have been the worst mm-hmm. thing. It would. It could have also been a story of her kind of discovering something about her own identity, but not having to act on it because she was like, actually, I choose the relationship I'm in. That's fine. And it wouldn't have been a, a bad call. It still would have been a story of her coming learn, to terms co- with something, coming new. to terms with herself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I still I like him no matter what. Um, yeah. You mentioned the boss, Ryan, as uh, or one of you did, uh, um, the horrible boss who's like always hitting on everybody. But in addition to that, he's like lying to stockholders. <laughs> um, yeah. He is he is the uber villain of this film. Yeah. Um, I got like evil Rufus Sewell vibes from him. Yeah. Like like Rufus, like he, he, he kind of has like a cut to him where he could be a villain in a Bond film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like having him stacked on top of Cooper mm-hmm. was like, I think additionally made our, our jilted lover, um, a, a, like a really strong character. And I, I think that's a really cool thing that I don't often see in films where you create more of a character out of somebody out of contrast. Yeah. And I think the story really, even though Pipes is the lead character, it's, all about how both of them in this marriage have kind of been in a rut for a long time in their individual lives like you know he Mm -hmm. at the very beginning talks about how he used to think he wanted to go off and travel and write a book about it or whatever but then he never did he just settled into this life and she also just settled into this life and it gives them both the opportunity to grow and have an arc and move away from all of her friends are at work which (laughs) like her bridesmaids are both like her workmates and i was just like come on girl you gotta get out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah um well and i that's what i probably love the most about this is the consequences of the actions that have to happen and the movie follows through right down the line of her leaving heck for this woman is heartbreaking and we see his heart broken when he's on the roof and he's crying with H. I was, I almost cried because that's at the end of the day, the character I most like mm-hmm. is Heck. And that's the character I found myself most like sitting in the shoes of, hmm, how would I act in this situation? And I found myself most relating to him. And he's kind of a hero in this movie because he doesn't take the low road and he's not like emasculated by the situation he's not like bitter and angry he's just trying he's just trying to love this woman and he's trying to figure out how do i love this woman best do i let her go and Mm -hmm. be with someone else what do i do yeah and i think they did that with all three of the main characters um they gave them the opportunity to be graceful graceful and Mm -hmm. be the best version of themselves each one of them did actually the right thing um, at various points and you know two of them ended up happy because of it and one of them ended up hurting but well no one well, of well yes but one of them ended up in an airplane at the end of the movie with somebody who really <laughs> wanted to bone down but which is know. also another rom-com trope of like oh let's throw them a bone let's throw right. when it's the nerdy um bellamy 
and they have to like toss them out of the way they give them the concession prize of another girl it's like don't worry they'll be okay yeah and it's the same thing in 500 days of summer actually oh what's your name autumn <laughs> but that's for our main well, characters that, we, that we can have a whole count. other discussion about 500 days of summer because it's not truly a rom-com it's a commentary on rom-coms but that's fine <laughs> Um, I guess we know what I guess we know what the next uh, film you'll be bringing us is. I guess <laughs> it's a depressing film. Um, okay, what are other like? Because this movie, I think, more than any other, felt like it it knew what it was doing with rom com tropes very well. Not yeah. not in a way where it was like I'm going to copy this, but it's like I'm going to use this 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 from a bunch of different rom-coms mush them together and make our rom-com mm-hmm. like they have like the bad wedding DJ from Love Actually they have the chase scene at the end of the movie where everybody's in the same car trying to find a person before they leave town mm-hmm. from Notting Hill um, they have two people running to uh, towards each other at the very end yes yeah. uh, I mean they, they have the charming shopkeep uh, like in You've Got Mail or Notting Hill, like uh, uh, probably a million more that we haven't explored yet. But none of that felt, none of it felt tired. None of it felt like, I was like, oh, this again. I was just like, yeah, you, you're you're doing this to the best of your abilities. And I love that. Like it to me, the car chase scene at the end wasn't as good as Notting Hills. There wasn't as much urgency for it and i think it's because i cared less about the tertiary characters in this film mm-hmm. but it was still it still hit that mark for me and like made my heart go yeah <laughs> well and this is my only like trifle with the film my box within a box within a box is that this is a british rom-com and so there's kind of a a similar flavor to the richard curtis um filmography of especially this felt stylistically i don't know kind of stylistically like love actually mm-hmm. uh I, I got like love actually vibes mm-hmm. but it felt like it was trying to be witty but it just didn't have richard curtis doing it and so it was reaching but never got to the witty the witticisms that i have the standard for and where the movie succeeded was when it was like let's not worry about that let's actually just get into like sincerity of the yeah this relationship and Mm -hmm. that's where it was the most um pleasurable for me Mm. i also did enjoy though every customer that came into the shop yeah yeah and those were very richard curtis characters yes you could have traded them out for the bookstore characters yeah we were we were talking about that as we were watching the movie yeah um and that's where i think this movie shines like the 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 big guttural like yell that i feel like probably made a million lesbians in the theater go yes where she's like yelling at the the soccer team and then they yell to each other across the um Uh the street it was just like it was so whimsical Uh because it it was like one of the only points in the movie where it like kind of stepped out of reality and was like we're going to talk about like finding yourself through metaphor Mm -hmm. in a way and it, it was different than like tropes I come to expect and I'm used to. And uh-huh. I didn't love it, but it was also something where at the end when she did that, I was like, this fits perfectly. This is the puzzle mm-hmm. piece that connected this movie. It's a little cheesy, but it's, it works. It's very cheesy. <laughs> oh, you gotta throw us a bone. You gotta give us some of those tropes. You know, those that's, that's a great one. Um, um, okay. They kind of forced the chase though, of just like, 
uh, she's leaving. It's like, well, That's true. we'll there call wasn't... her when she gets back. No, she won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There wasn't any urgent deadline. And uh, I, I relate to that fault just because I tried to write my own rom-com and I ran into the same problem of like, why don't they just wait? Like, they'll get to each other eventually. They they can call each other. Yeah. I remember this rom-com because at the end you had, like, it was a motorcycle, like two people on a motorcycle trying to get to an airport on time before somebody left, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's and like the urge is there. <laughs> I mean, at I the same yeah. time, I completely get it. Like, you know... It, when I fell in love with you, if you had been leaving all of a sudden for like months and months and I wouldn't see you for months, I would run to the airport. You're saying I'm worth a chase? Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks, Jane. <laughs> you too. Right. Nice Hold on, we're going to pause the podcast for a second. <laughs> oh, man. Stop that. Get some romantic comedy Stop going that on. now. Um, okay. Can we talk about Dance Dance Revolution for a second? Because nothing more... Um, set this movie in its ravine of time yeah. than Dance Dance Revolution. This is the thing <laughs> it was that so does great. not age and, about the movie. Cheesy. It was so cheesy. Well, but I, and... I think it was contractually required for any movie within like 2004 to 2006 to have that scene though. Yeah, I think like Tiesto or a DJ like made that happen with Hollywood. It was like any <laughs> anybody and Pinewood Studios for sure. Yeah. Like you have to have this in your movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I also enjoy that not only were they doing the DDR moves, but they were also dancing in general. Like they were Britney Spears, like backup dancers. Like there was so much like verve to their movement. Yeah. Nobody could dance in Dance Dance Revolution like that. I have in my notes unless they took three weeks of DDR practice or like lessons Mm -hmm. or something. (laughs) And they had like coordinated hip bumps. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like it's, it's, um, it dips its toes in, like you were saying, into like that Joe Wright level of choreography. <laughs> yeah, it's a little cheesy, but it's fine. It's great. No, it's fine. But um, we must we must give credit where credit is due. You it meant Edgar Wright. You were talking about Edgar Wright, not yeah. Joe Wright. Yeah, thank right. You. And that's what I want to say is it's not nearly as accurate as like um, the Scott Pilgrim because yeah, Knives Chow does a weird backflip thing. But they still step like it's a DDR game. Like yeah. that mm-hmm. is more believable as yeah. a DDR experience. I, I did turn to Kelly in that scene and just let him know that this movie came out before Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> yeah. she was defending it. <laughs> yeah. like, this was first. If you two were in a store, let's say a video store, and you grabbed porn off the shelf and then your mom came in, what would your reaction have to be? Oh, I would <laughs> throw it across the room <laughs> I, first of all i was like woman you need to learn how to use the internet or something this is not the it was no way it, like the download times of 2005 oh, no way that's true i i rented this dvd from blockbuster um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i i think i would probably just freeze and become like a human statue and pretend i wasn't there <laughs> Yeah, wait. So your mom in this like my mom would your just mom come is a Tyrannosaurus say, Rex then in this yes, situation. She like, cannot see me if I don't move. Um, I think I'm I'm in Ryan's camp. I just would have tossed it at the Mr. Bean esque woman behind the um behind the shop counter and just said hi, mom, and just gotten rid of it. But she like Pipes is holding on to that like it's an ang- she's like this is my life raft to figuring out myself. I can't get rid of this or do anything with it because I might not find it again. Who knows? This might be my my key. <laughs> I don't know. I I was just so like 
I, I think I have a thing with the Mr. Bean-esque characters that are like the shop owner who does something excruciatingly embarrassing. embarrassing. Yeah. I'm like just dying the whole time. Like leave, just run away from the shop, never come back to this shop again. Ah! Like, like there is an awareness that some shopkeepers do not have, especially in these in, movies. In comedies. In yes. rom-coms, yeah. There was, there was something I, I did want to talk about in regards to the screen time between the two of them um whenever lena and pipes ended up looking at each other and this is one of the things about the uh the filmmaking that i liked a lot in the editing um the editing really lingered between the two of them like mm-hmm. if this movie's average shot length was three seconds let's say their average shot length felt like six or seven seconds a piece whenever yeah. they they had eye contact and i was like I don't know. It just, it really made me feel the connection between the two of them just in, in the filmmaking grammar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, when, um, Luce comes over for dinner the first night, um, that they invite her over and there's this lingering look and it's just like, it's all you need. You just need to edit that one shot of Luce looking at her of the eyeline getting matched. You're good. We got it. <laughs> Establish that connection. We're good. And I think uh, pipes also did a good job of just getting, slightly flustered every yeah, time she really got flustered Lena looks at her. yeah and at first like she doesn't even know why but she's just like getting flustered yeah mm. mm-hmm. um that she was the very definition of hot and bothered <laughs> where yeah. she was like oh what's i'm flushed i'm bothered by this <laughs> um so bothered speaking of hot and bothered um when they were in flowered up which is a great name for, for oh yeah, yeah. The, the name of the flower shop of the flower shop up. Um, and they have their first kiss, um, and they start rolling around in the roses. Mm-hmm. Like I, for me, that was like qu- quintessentially perfect because it was like this this unleashing uh, mm-hmm. for her, and and it was very romantic in that way. But like them landing in the flowers and rolling around on the flowers was thematically good, and mm-hmm. then they added comedy in there as well by having them like roll around on roses, and Lena, Lena's like. And like that, that scene encapsulates romantic comedy to me mm-hmm. that it gets across like how wonderful it is to fall in love without forgetting that we're still watching a movie about like a funny situation. Yeah. 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 And then the whole and thing that, shifts when the husband knocks on the, the door. The husband knocks. And, yeah. And it gets yeah. serious yeah. again right away. And that's something I also wanted to remark on. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier about how this is kind of an infidelity movie, kind of a love triangle movie. Um, I I really don't like that plot because a lot of the time it's set up in such a way that it's not the um, like the flash moment. It's just kind of like, I'm with this asshole who's mean to me and I just met this perfect guy, man, if only I wasn't dating this asshole and, or if mm-hmm. only I wasn't dating this idiot, mm-hmm. um, life would have been so much better. And then so much of the m- chunk of the movie is them kind of sneaking around. Now in your Nora Ephron's, the sneaking around is the most innocent sneaking around you could possibly conceive of. Cause then you've got mail. The like dishonesty is just like, Oh, it's just this little correspondence. It's a, it's a friendship. Uh, yeah. Just, and there's nothing you're not actually doing anything wrong with that and same with sleepless in seattle of like meg ryan falls in love with this voice and she's not 
she's not really doing anything wrong at all. She's not flying um, across the country to stalk him, but yeah. Then, then it gets weird. Uh, then it gets weird. <laughs> but your lesser movies, your cheaper movies, where it's like, oh man, they're just so hot, I gotta have them. And in the midst of the movie, they finally have each other, and it's just this big triumphant, sexy moment. It always those in the in the poorer movies, I'm just kind of like, ugh, you're you're still cheating on that person. There's there's consequences to yeah. this. This movie, we already talked about the consequences, but in the flower shop when they have their first kiss. It doesn't feel like, oh, finally they're they're consummating this attraction. It, it was more like finally she's being honest with herself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good way to put that. That's a really good way to put that. And the fact that the movie has the guts to bring the husband in right then, like mm-hmm. it's a little, it, it's inconvenient in the best way for a plot mm-hmm. because he's there to show Piper, like, hey. Now that this truth is here, you ha- you're gonna have to confront it, and she does. She's like, I, I need to do this right for myself and my heart. And mm-hmm. you don't really get to see characters who are stuck in hard situations make the right choice mm-hmm. and still have it be tense. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie was full of right choices. I felt like, yeah. And then the Lena Headey character also gets to say, okay, if that's what we're doing, then yes, I will honor that. that. And I'm not you were going about to, yeah. yeah then I'm not going to pursue you anymore. And even to the degree that like when the big chase scene happens, uh, Pipes calls her on the cell phone and she's like, no, I'm going to hang up on you. You can't do this to me. I'm not doing this. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. just it allows all the characters to maintain their integrity, even though it's this situation that could have been really crappy. Yeah. Um, I'd like to do actually one more segment. We'll see if it makes it in. But can we all watch the um, the trailer right now and just do a quick talk about it? Because I'd oh, like to fun. add trailer talk to this I and just see. I think it's really good. Like, how was it actually marketed? Yeah. Um, so, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and watch on yours and we'll watch on ours. God, I'm glad I'm not you. I've loved Rachel since the day we met. Imagine me and you. Your problem is you won't commit to one person. But there's some gorgeous women around. Yes, there are. I'm trying to sleep with as many as I can. So, how about you? Married? Have we been married? Are we going to be married? I'm gay. (laughs) Mm, Cool. Well done. Okay. Let's break that apart a little bit. <laughs> Besides the fact that it's very much of its time oh with the music gosh, choice. Oh my gosh, the music choices. They, um, they had a great budget for their trailer music. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would have seen the trailer first if I would have been interested in watching it. Hmm. I, I think it's got an intriguing enough plot, maybe. But I honestly, from the cut of the trailer, it kind of looks like this sort of there's a lot of films and television that try to put two very heterosexual looking women together and be like oh isn't this hot and like have them kiss and there's no chemistry and you're like this isn't relatable to me um and on the surface it could look like that from the trailer where i'm like okay i can't really see the sparks between you two but Mm. for me i wasn't even I, I I feel like I thought from the trailer that it was going to be Hex's story because it starts Agreed. off with just him yeah. and then he's doing the voiceover narration. Yeah. And I mean, it's not not Hex's story. Like sure, he's part of it. it's a very it, ensemble thing. But yeah. 
but this movie felt much more like a story about a guy who gets left who gets who gets left by his his wife who's finding out and, who she is and it felt very dramatic too like but we can't ah yeah like it, yeah although yeah. i did think the editing of the trailer was good it's fine yeah it, it was good but i i think it also is very of its time of its um it's taking the perspective of the male's character and it's like, man, what would happen if your wife went through this? And yeah, it's which not the movie is nowhere close to that. <laughs> no, thank yeah, God. thank and God the movie is not. It's really Pipe's story, uh-huh, like, much yeah. more so. The main, that's the main uh, perspective, and yeah. it's nice that the movie is progressive, but the trailer is very conservative. It can, feels. Can, yeah. can we think? Actually, can we think about it in a way where Fox Searchlight is like? Look, we know that we've got a female audience because it's a rom-com. <laughs> Maybe we can swing getting some guys butts in the seats by, by making it seem like it's his story. story. I can see a uh, executive producer who knows nothing about this movie being like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> because yeah. they're the whole thing is you're going out to a movie, this trailer comes on screen, the girl squeezes the guy's hand and say, "We should go see that." And they've got to get it to the point where the guy's like, "Okay." You don't think I can attract attention? You don't think I could put asses in the seats? <laughs> I, I think it, it was probably during a time period where they were like, there can't possibly be enough bisexual or lesbian women to fill these seats. We have to get, this, we have to get the straight men in there. <laughs> gotta gotta get that I'm, demo. <laughs> like, uh, I could easily see a different version where <laughs> the studio cut a trailer where it's like, it's the same thing where it's heck doing the voiceover and it's this like forbidden romance thing, but they could have done the gone the other way where it's like, man, what if your wife was a lesbian? Wouldn't that be cool? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) And just like sell it as like male fantasy version where they really try to get the males into the, into the seats. (laughs) That would be the worst. That would be the worst bait and switch in. It would have been in the, in the trailer. Actually, it made me like, not like Coop's character per se, but it made me remember all the moments where this movie took the time to make Coop the butt of his own joke. And I was like, you know, what? I, I actually really liked that about this film is Coop was a character who did have a very little evolution. But like as far as this movie was extremely self-aware of of Coop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think he was the thing that this trailer got right. <laughs> Yeah, I think the movie was very self-aware about a lot of things, and I think it was spot on about exactly what it was trying to say with them. Yeah, this trailer, not so much, though. Yeah, no. No. I do want to point out really quick, my Just Like Heaven film comparison, um, I don't know if this is any fair metric, but on IMDb, Just Like Heaven, the Reese Witherspoon, Mark Ruffalo rom-com of 2005 has 96,000 votes on IMDb, and Imagine Me and You has 28,000 on IMDb, but I have a feeling that we're going to be coming back to Imagine Me and You tenfold over um, Just Like Heaven. Yeah, because I've actually never heard of Just Like Heaven. Me neither. We'll get to it someday. Okay, Ryan, you were you were asking a question before. What was... Um... Oh, uh, so Sarah was watching this movie out of the corner of her eye while she was doing work, uh, and she, like, she... I think she watched all of um, Piper Parabu Parabu good old pipes. Uh, I think she had a TV show on USA. And so she like, um, in the same way that I saw Lena Headey as Cersei Lannister, I think she saw pipes as whoever this character was on um, this other TV show. 
Um, and one, she was like, she's not British. She's American. And she always, mm-hmm. she doesn't like it when Americans do British accents. Um, but two, she's like, wait, are they actually lesbians though in real life? And like, she kind of was like, are they allowed to be cast? Like, shouldn't they be like, like she didn't, wasn't offended by it. She wasn't mm-hmm. like saying they can't cast them. Film producer, Robin, how would you go about that from a casting perspective? No, oh, I have no idea. And I almost don't want to wade into those waters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think there's so many things that go into casting. And I think, um, I think that is a, a perfect way to say that sentence, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of things that go into casting. And if we're to talk about this movie in specific, I think it was made in 2005 or came out in 2005. So made earlier. And um, I think there wasn't yet quite the uh, cultural push towards um, casting people, you know, in in the roles that most represent their actual lived experience. Oh, no, Um, it was definitely not on their mind at all. Right. That was definitely not how they thought. Um, and, And I think what they were probably doing is casting for people who they knew would sell, which is, you know, a valid thing when you're trying to get a movie out there. (laughs) um what concerns me most um in in that regard is usually the chemistry like what i want to see in any rom-com is two characters who have actual chemistry i think that um for me lena hetty is i don't know what her orientation is in real life and i honestly don't care because she's like to me, the lesbian icon, (laughs) like she's exactly Mm -hmm. her in that role is exactly someone who I would have fallen in love with. So Mm -hmm. she's exactly the right person for that role. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Piper Parable is also the exact right person for that role, particularly because, and even if especially she's a heterosexual woman, because that's kind of who she's been her whole life in this movie and then is discovering herself. So I think it needs to be someone who at least can represent themselves as like super Barbie suburban heterosexual, <laughs> like straight down the line, straight lady who's now mm-hmm. having a moment of revelation. Mm-hmm. So well said. I, I well know. said. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I feel like uh, casting is one of those things that is the most complicated for a multitude of reasons in the film industry, whether it's down to somebody's schedule, whether it's like they look like another character because they're related or like down to personal details about that human and lived Mm -hmm. experiences. Like, I mean, it's super complicated. It is very, very complicated. And like I said, for me, especially in a rom-com chemistry, chemistry is the thing. So I think no matter what, you got to bring a bunch of people in there and screen test them and see if they actually have sparks with each other. And if they do, that's who you cast. And Ryan and I actually, uh, you watched part of it with us. And I think you'd heavily agree that even though these two characters or these two actors, um, Hugh Jackman and uh, Meg Ryan, even though they've had chemistry with other people on the scene, none with they each had other. none they in Kate and Leopold. not have been cast. Yeah. It, they no. had absolutely no chemistry together. No. Yeah. And so this movie was great because I felt like both Piper and Heck and um, Lena and Piper all had chemistry, but you mm-hmm. could just tell that uh, Pipes and Lena had 
had that they, that they stat had or the, more. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Did did you guys when they were like walking through that crowd of people and then also like everybody coming into the flower shop, did you get like like those it's it's currently like when we're recording this, it's uh height COVID times and everybody was touching each other and rubbing up against each other and I was like Oh, don't, don't, you don't, you don't know that person. Don't wash your hands. Okay. (laughs) Like it just made me want to go outside and like mingle with people so bad. That's how I watch everything these days is like just getting upset with characters for being too close to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's part of the escapism. Yeah. Um, Did you, little piece of trivia, did you know that uh, Guy Fox is where the actual, it's the etymology of the term guy that we use as like human person now? Oh, I didn't. hey, Hey, you guys. Oh. It's, it's from Guy Fox. Oh, cool. And it's from the effigies that oh, they like burned um, of him because they yeah, just, just became another guy. It's a little guy. Yeah. Just a little guy. Yeah. And it wasn't actually like gendered that. either. It wasn't meant to be a man. It's just like, here's the little human figure that we burn. Oh. Yeah. Well, next time I get ripped for saying, hey, you guys, you know, I'll, I'll bring out that fact and <laughs> those people will be sure to like me more. I'm sure. <laughs> They'll be like, thanks. <laughs> Not a good idea. Hey, Ryan, I think it's time for that famous segment. Who would you fall in love with? Uh, Lena Hetty, for sure. Why? We already talked about it. She's charming. She's owns a flower shop. And she's hotness incarnate. Yeah. Ryan? I would fall in love with Piper Paraboo because Cersei Lannister scares the shit out of me. <laughs> you basic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Piper was cool, but... Um, and she also did have a job at a um, newspaper, which fulfills another rom-com quotient for me of mm-hmm. um, people having creative jobs in marketing, newspaper, yep. publishing, yep. something like that. It, I, all over I the do want to. I love that. I do want to clarify. Um, it's not just because she's not Cersei Lannister. <laughs> I. Yeah, give us real I, reasons then. I do appreciate um, Piper's good old pipes. She has a softness in this movie, a tenderness, and a carefulness that is very attractive. That's, um, I think Sarah has a very similar sensitivity to the world. And I think I recognize that in Pipes is a lot of similar qualities that Sarah has. Hmm. That's fair. That's fair. I I do like... I feel like to me, um, Pipes is a very good actor, but she's very much like a mm, kind of Barbie doll sort of like a perfect beauty little thing, which the movie actually comments on um, when Lucy's best friend is like, oh, she's not just heterosexual. She's Barbie heterosexual. (laughs) 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 And and it's true. They and I think they cast it perfectly, pretty much for her looking like this very straight woman, this just like picture perfect lives in the suburbs sort of uh-huh. woman. Yeah. Um, um, I I'm gonna go like I was thinking I was going to say Lena, aka Cersei, aka flower shop owner, just because I love her style and her person, like the way she lives her life, and she's really nice to her mom. But honestly. <sighs> I think I'm going heck with this mm. because I, mean, I, good guy. I really like heck. He is kind. If there's any Richard Curtis wit to be found in this movie, it's found in heck. Um, he doesn't have like a good life, but he's, he's on his way for adventure to like 
to write a book he's always wanted to write. And I really relate to that. So I'm, I'm falling in love with Heck in this one. Uh, even though, like, like Lena Handy was a uh, very close, very close second. <laughs> He's a sweetie. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. Okay. No, no love for Cooper, though. Sorry, Cooper. Sorry, Coop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, although he, he ends up with a baby in the end. So uh, do you think that baby, See, do you think that baby that's... was um, an accidental baby or? <laughs> I think we're meant to read into it that he settled down. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. I, I yeah, that was like that was like the one cop out character development thing. It's like I missed, I missed this leap of development of him settling down. Uh, I, just I like yeah, I agree, but I also think the movie the whole time has been kind of playing this gag where he's covering up his true tender emotions or whatever, and yeah. so you know by the end we're supposed to just infer that he's now gotten in touch with them. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a little shallow, but hmm. yeah, it still works. Um, well, Robin, thanks a lot for like bringing this awesome movie to the pod. Yeah, uh, thank you. I've, I've been waiting to watch this movie since I saw it in um, uh, the poster of it in uh, like local movie rental um, spot down in California when I was like, I don't know, really young. How are you? And I've been waiting to watch it since I ignored like, it. Like 17, I think. Yeah, I think I was 17 and I was down at my grandparents' house and I saw it in a rental window. I was like, that looks like a good movie. It's so yeah. cute how young you guys are. Well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the old lady. Shucks. <laughs> Robin's not old. She's, do you want me to say how old? No, five years older than no. you. No. Okay. She's experienced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm mature and wise. Um, yeah, okay, this is getting weird. Um, let's, um, let's, Robin, do you want to help us pick our, our next week's movie? Oh, what is your choices? What uh, are your choices? You got to roll the dice. All right, Robin, okay. I would like you, since you're our guest, um, and roll where people can hear it by all means or straight on whatever. Okay. Um, I need you to roll what, two dice. This is two, okay. And, uh, you'll just combine I'm those two shaking. to make a number. I'm rolling. That's a 94. 94. Okay, Ryan, it's Father of the Bride Part 2. <laughs> oh. Um, Let's roll again. Can we just... Let's roll again. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. We can just do Father of the Bride Part 1. Let's just... Yeah, Father of the Bride Part 1. Okay, we'll call it Father of the Bride Part 1. <laughs> Robin, Robin's like, no, let me roll again. Do you like rolling like the rolling. dice, babe? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, um, well, that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, thanks a lot for Robin for coming on and um, introducing us to such a cool movie. I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah, Ryan, you like Thank it? Thank you so much. I loved it. I loved it. Yay. It was so great. Um, you can, um, Robin, where can people find you? In the world. In the world. I, I exist. Uh, any any place uh, people can like check out the work you do? Or... No, I got robinveda.com. That's me. Robinveda.com. Maybe some Instagram stuff? Sure. Rob, I'm Robin Veda. <laughs> Robin Veda on Instagram. And I'm Instagram. here to okay. say I'm That's... on Instagram in a major way. <laughs> it's V-A-D-A. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, nice. And you can find Ryan and I at uh, Romcom Janser, a gentleman's guide to romcoms, uh, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those. And we are actually doing uh, a new thing where if you want to write in um, after you listen to this week's podcast and tell us kind of what you thought or if you had anything to add that we missed um, or 
there was just something you needed to let us know about and you wanted it read on the podcast, go ahead and email us at romcomgents at gmail.com. Ryan, anything else? Uh, you guys can write in. Just don't disagree with me. Disagree with Kelly. And then I'm, I'm fine with those views. Anything else? Uh, I don't know. D- disagree with Ryan. Ryan loves arguing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll that's s- true. Actually, I'll take the fight. Disagree <laughs> with me, please. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way for us to get new listeners. And um, I mean, we're not really advertising ourselves anywhere. So basically, word of mouth is the best way for us to um, get anybody new to listen to this. So recommend us to your friends. Rate or review us. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I'll share it on the gram. You'll share us on the gram? Yeah. At Robin Veda, I'm here to say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, I love you guys. Love you. I love you. <laughs> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on A Gentleman's Guide. You guys are in the same room. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) Bye.